Yes, they were. I was listening to the last episode and Whitney at the beginning was like, I'm just a little sniffly because of allergies. Yep. So turns out I had COVID. <laughs> and throughout the episode, or even maybe it was just the beginning and the end, and it was like, the beginning I was like, yeah, allergies is just real bad. And then at the end I was like, I'm going to take a Benadryl and hopefully <laughs> knock this like allergy shit out. You had dreams. I did. Well, and also, I always feel like shit after South by. Yeah. Like, it, you're... You're outside. You're, you're running out, around. You're your doing body dumb is, stuff yeah. for, like, multiple days. So, I thought it was that combined with allergies. You're, like, torching the candle. Yeah. But actually, it was COVID. But I'm better now. Yeah. Mostly. How long did you test positive for? A week? It was almost, like, exactly a week. Mm. Seven days. Mine was, like, eight or nine days. Yeah. And then... Well, and like when I had it four weeks ago or whatever, it was like, yeah, if your symptoms aren't that bad, you're probably not as uh, contagious Contagious. or whatever. Like you have a lower. And then I read something literally yesterday that was like, nope, no correlation there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. Nobody knows anything. Just just live, I guess. Yeah. And then just treat other people with respect and kindness by staying your sick ass at home. Yeah. Mm -hmm really all we can do and i did point. stay at home however y'all came over yeah <laughs> i'm just glad you didn't get it I didn't from get me it, thank yeah. god because i was like as far as i know i guess i could have because i tested and i never got it <laughs> granted that testing period was in like five days but john never got it i don't i don't know i also the other i did feel bad at least one of those days but i don't travel well like i've gotten sick right. mm-hmm. pretty much every single time i've traveled um the worst being when we went to Asheville like three years ago and i had the flu the entire time <laughs> yeah and it was the first vacation i probably taken in like 10 years it sucked really bad Asheville's beautiful though um really pretty. so when i started feeling bad immediately i was like whitney did this to me um <laughs> and then i felt fine the next day and i was like okay maybe not maybe she didn't i will say that i know that they'll probably in the next couple months lift the mask mandate for planes I will always wear a mask on a plane. Fuck yeah. I love it. I mean, really, it's also like, I don't have to put on makeup. I don't, I can I don't just have look to, ugly under my mask. Yeah, I don't have to worry about my facial uh, expressions because mm-hmm. can't hide those. You know, yes. should see me on a Zoom call. Yeah. I was having this conversation with somebody about how I don't have any kind of like poker face anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I just don't. I don't have the patience for it. I think part of it is because masking for two years. And I also talk to myself. I don't like audibly talk to myself, but I move my mouth while I'm talking to myself because I'm so used to my mask covering my mouth. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll probably always wear a mask on an airplane. Also, like it's gross in there. Yeah. Let's just mask up. Mask up. I was talking to somebody and this is this is such a like repeat of an earlier life and conversation but I was like you know I I said the same thing and I I was like I I think the one place I'm gonna probably like always wear a mask is traveling in tight spaces Mm -hmm. like airplanes if I get on a bus if I get on a subway try but like definitely airplanes yeah because you're in those for a lot longer than a bus but um he was just like oh that's interesting I was like yeah you like look at all the photos that we've all been exposed to 
for decades of people in other countries that are wearing a mask in Mm -hmm. closed spaces. And he was like, yeah, you know, it always seemed so odd because it's just a culture thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but weren't we just a bunch of Mm -hmm. idiots? Like it is a culture thing and, and it's something that everyone should make a part of their culture. It's It's just weird. Cause I remember thinking like, oh, that's an exclusive by locations thing right when we were in san francisco the first place that we went to was chinatown Mm -hmm. and pretty much nowhere else in san francisco is there like predominant masking some places you go in and they want you to wear them but the moment you're in chinatown every single person is still masked there Mm -hmm. so we we put ours back on because i'm like well i don't want to you know when in rome when in chinatown yeah yeah so buy a bunch of fake shit oh i didn't do that i did eat at a really good vegetarian chinese food restaurant that only took cash oh my god this is funny so the we were at that this is the first place that we ate at we sat down and there was a mom and dad and probably college age kid daughter Mm -hmm. like eating or whatever and she obviously went to one she was wearing some school sweatshirt right so they're sitting there and the dad says Oh, you had a random alarm go off on your phone at 7.30 at night yesterday night. What was that? And she was like, that's um, when I start studying this class. I'm like, bitch, that's your birth control, birth control alarm. alarm. <laughs> we know the birth control yeah, alarm. Yeah, it was very like the panic kind Aww, of in her that's eyes. when like, I start studying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And also, he was like, okay, I just thought it was weird. The she was dad like, no. had to know he something. He didn't ask in a way that sounded accusatory right. and i don't think he looked he looked like he wouldn't know that sure i don't know also, she's in the college. mom didn't even look up either right yeah so it's kind of like but the shirt her eyes kind of going a little wide like <laughs> uh, very it's funny uh, that's so funny my uh, roommate actually sets weird alarms on my phone, phone for no reason um i need to do comedy again when was your last when was the last time you did one did, did a, a comedy. comedy yeah uh it would have been before i went on like i guess it would have been mid-february oh fuck because so then i went on bit. vacation right. and then i had i was on bed rest yeah. with that covid and then cj of. had it so i was still right. like kind of limiting where i was going yeah and now i'm writing a bunch of new stuff so good hopefully hopefully i'll go to an open mic good god no one ever yeah says i don't that. know about that one but I have some stuff coming up. I just, it's stressing me out because it's like your creative outlet, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I feel blocked. I feel, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You've gone through several new experiences recently that would feed that's into the creative that's mindset, right? That's why a lot of those new jokes are coming. Mm-hmm. Coming uh, to a town near you. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in Austin. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten seen you before. I, f- I don't. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Depends. good. Yeah. Depends yeah. on the night. Got any free shows coming up? <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, I'll pay. For I do. They're all mostly what, like yeah. five dollars yeah, or something. I'm, I'm kidding. I I think I do have one, mm-hmm. but I'll double check. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like this is an ad for. H-E-B, H-E-B brand, brand Diet, Diet Coke. Diet Coke. It's still warm Diet Coke. It's room temp. <laughs> it's warm. And honestly, I'll drink it at any time. I'll drink it. It makes it a little extra spicy mm-hmm. when it's warm. Mm-hmm. Spicy? Yeah. And I yeah. mean, sure. Like the carbon carbonation's a little bit different it's when it's true. warm. So it's it feels more carbony. Yeah, spicy. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking by it. That's what Why I mean. Spicy. <laughs> I have a my friends, their daughter calls it spicy water. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
the third dash. But now I think she just calls it spice, which I'm like, well, well that's She's a Dune reference. Spice. Talk yes. about that one. It's a lot of reference. Yeah, there's more than one spice. <laughs> Red River. Oh, yeah. District is all spice. Weed spice. Kratom. Oh, dear. Spice. They're also using, they've used spice and referenced that in like fucking Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. They call some shit spice. And I was like, come on. Because it's like herb. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just a. It is. Yeah. But you could. Who branch out a little bit? I remember, did you, when you were in high school, Whitney, do you remember this being in high school? No. Um, I've blocked once it. Once a year, once every couple of years, they would do this like anonymous survey that was like a drug related survey, and you're supposed to like go through and write, like say which drugs you've done. That is a trap. Yeah. So it's anonymous. But one thing that they would do to prevent kids it. from going through and just saying they did everything is they would include a fake drug. And if you said that you did it, they would throw it out. That's funny. Yeah, I don't remember doing that. I, I remember two years because finding the fake drug was like thing. One of them, they, it was called like <laughs> Cramium or something. Like, right. They're like, well, I did it. It's like because there's street names for a bunch of drugs, right? Sure. And so they would put those in. So there would be, you know. Angel dust. dust. But they would also have speed. So that would, you know, right. and there are usually kind of nuances between the two of them. But yeah, I remember that being like, and I wouldn't fill it out because I was like, this is a trap. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, going through that. It was like a voluntarily thing that you could do in first period or whatever the, hmm. you're like, not who class volunteered class to do that idiots kids who don't do drugs yeah yeah <laughs> like the kids doing drugs they're not in that class fuck. they're not they're in not class. showing up yeah and yeah. they're not yeah. gonna say that they're fucking doing first drugs. period too yeah my god right early in the morning tell me all the drugs you've done well no no i won't be doing that <laughs> no i'm still coming down I'm a off student of them. athlete the how dare Senora you Alvarez, because it was definitely in spanish class yeah we had miss my <laughs> this is mean my uh that first period class that you had to take that wasn't actually a class mm-hmm. for you it was called, called like skills something <laughs> where they would do the morning announcements right yeah um home our room. teacher was this yeah, woman room. who her name was miss Cuts. And she taught regulars history for 10th graders. Regulars? Yeah. That's the remedial class. <laughs> they don't have to name it. They that. call it, it that. Called it was called regulars because the other option would be worse, <laughs> probably. Because you're just regular. Well, if it was remedial, it would, it would sound, sound mean. Worse. But regular is just so, regular. Yeah. You're regular. Average. Well, can't you just call it history? Nope. You gotta call you have it to, regular. Are you an Why? AP? Well, yeah, are you an honors? So that's AP history, honors history, and then history. Nope. Sorry, Texas. This is a problem. No, regular for me. Anyway, she taught that, <laughs> and there's a guy in my class who every day at some point when she was turned around, she would he would go, Miss Coates has brown teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Miss Coates. She was a bitch. Like I'm sorry. Like I try to default to like. Teachers have a hard time, but and like she was a it? bitch. <laughs> She could never figure out who it was, which is so funny to see because there's only like 20 kids in the class. Right. Right. But he would say it in kind of a voice. But yeah, she would. I think she was the kid. I don't remember. He was somebody who was held back. A hero. I remember that. So he had no fucks. He's probably one of your age. He was like a bigger guy. Probably. I Like I can see it in my brain and nobody ever ratted him out because they're just like, she do. She got brown teeth. Well, it's because she smoked because you, she, you could see her Corolla or whatever. She couldn't smoke in the teacher parking lot. So she would drive down right, to Serena right and because that's where I would smoke too and she would be sitting in her car like chain smoking cigarettes and she was like 
in her 60s. I mean, I don't blame her. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, either. I don't that's either. the thing is like in hindsight, I probably have a little bit more compassion for her, but she was like a bitch. I don't remember what she did. Maybe that's just my perception. I don't know. Maybe I was excusing his bad behavior because she was. Because it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. It was really funny. That's funny. very Ev- funny. It was like every day, I swear to God. It's also like. <laughs> that poor woman. It really Oh was. my God, yeah. that's awful. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it is. It's like. It's also awful that she couldn't name who it was well i think she that's the thing is like when i think about it, i'm like she probably could she but it's like, like she could have i bet there was one goody goody worse? in there and if she like was like write down who it is put it in this hat yeah. i bet at least add one it to your drug for yeah. yeah yeah right but what Who's do you do you go to the like you tell him <laughs> to stop he doesn't stop you go to your principal or your teacher like advisor and, and they're, they're like there are literally it. people doing um coke in the bathroom i'm not concerned that a yeah. student is yelling right you well he's also Sure. Pro- he was probably legally an adult. He probably not. Mm-mm, maybe. Yeah. God, I, I feel like it was. I don't know. It, was he cool? Uh, no. No. Okay. It wasn't even. Then that. I probably don't he know. Had, I'm oh my just God. kidding. <laughs> 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 just kidding. Was he popular or? Mm. I also. So the classes where I had people that were held back are like, you know, 18, 19, 20. They always seem to be the people that were like, hey, man, (laughs) clicks don't matter. Let's just have fun. And I'm like, y'all did it right. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all did a good sixth lap. Yeah. (laughs) High school. Skip all your classes. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Life. I just don't think a 19 year old should be in high school. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But boy, did I Where else are we gonna know go? a couple? Yeah. A community college will take them at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Just but yeah, go get your GED or don't. Yeah. Do whatever you want, man. Yeah. But if you're making me laugh, you can stay. Yeah. It's true. You can stay. Well, good. Welcome to Weird Brunch. Well, welcome. I still have major sinus pressure behind my right eye. It feels like my eye is going to pop out. I feel like you should stop saying any ailments on the podcast because then it's It's worse than whatever you say it is. It's 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 contagious. (laughs) Right. You're going to catch it through the pod. Or I'll give it to some, you know. I'm just here to be sickly and weird sickly. yeah yeah for okay. sure you're if a you're our token do. like sickly victorian <laughs> child on the podcast mm-hmm. secret garden bitch yeah. we oh, do make her. make her stand outside the window we and look at when sure. we she's wait, very pale okay, wait. was secret garden boy was he being munchausen by proxied remember he was always sickly and then they brought him outside and he was like i can walk and have fun now no that was the he- nature healing him i think but like, I don't know. I vaguely why that. Why was he always in I that get... bed and he was such a little bitch? <laughs> because she was. She was like, why are you in here? And he was always rude to her. And then she was like, pop a squat in that chair. We're pulling you out. Yeah. And then How he was like, how did she get there? Nature. I have like an orphan. I feel like it was similar to the princess. Yeah, Yeah. I get those confused all the time. Same because it's like the. See, I don't get them confused though because that was two very different vibes. Not in my brain. No, not in my brain either. Both of them made me cringe at different parts. Yeah. Also, hi, orphan here. So both of them were like, right. This is gonna be me. I'm gonna be mistreated. More rewatchable for me. Because of Secret the Secret Garden. Secret Garden was kind of spooky. Yeah. It was dark. Yeah. Well, very dark. Now I feel like word. he may have been Munchausen because he was uppity. Remember? 
he was in that fucking big and he was like looking down on everyone and like being pale and the rich kid well and that makes me think he was they were like what do you need what do you want Mm -hmm. i don't remember any like retribution at the end though i don't remember like a mother because women are just supposed to make men better and was there even a mom in that wasn't it just like nannies and shit I thought, like a mean. I, I don't, don't remember there being a. Villain, I don't remember the adults in the secret garden not being indoors able to be was the villain. Yes, mm. being indoors was the villain. Indoor the kids, garden was the ultimate the punishment. He was in we it should and double punished me that way. That. Maggie Smith is in it. She's Mrs. Medlock. So like this is secret yeah, garden. This is secret garden. When Maggie, I Smith, do kind of remember Maggie Smith being like he's delicate. <laughs> he's delicate don't look him in the eyes when maggie smith goes y'all are gonna have to find me because i will be mourning Upset. for a while here's the yes. thing like i absolutely get these things confused because okay here's the synopsis and i thought that this beginning was from the little princess living in india mary lennox a young privileged girl Wait, is yeah. left orphaned when her parents are killed in an earthquake Okay, so, but then there's the difference because she, it's true, they were both in India then. That's yeah. what's confusing, Children. but. Well, it I, was around the time that there, we, it was colonization. Yeah. Time. So there were a lot of Brits in India. Yeah. So let me look at the synopsis from The Little Princess. But her dad goes to war and he has yeah. mustard gas poisoning, right? And that's why he can't remember. Yes. I just know, I remember he was gassed. I, he got gassed. He was gassed. But also did like was he in a coma? Yeah, he I was. Think well, his face was like bandaged. bandaged. I remember and that. And he had that guy helping him who was from India, who he always caught. Like he was the one who you know opened the world for the little princess. Yeah, I, okay. And so, it's like, so why did were you they know kinda... the whole time that this was her dad, and yeah. you didn't fucking say anything? When her father enlists to fight for the British in World War One, yes. young Sarah Crew goes to New York to d- attend the same boarding school. Or her late mother attended. Oh, so yeah. she's American. No, she's no. British. No, she was American. No, she her was mom was ordered. American. The little girl doesn't have an accent in A Little Princess. Oh. Maybe she just remember. couldn't do one. What's the actress? <coughs> Liesl Matthews never went anywhere because her. You can tell because her picture is still from the nineties. Right. Yeah, oh. she was so pretty. I remember Ooh, being. Do you like, think she she's the died? Hold on, now I gotta feel. But her best friend was the girl who was in Harriet the Spy. Not Michelle, Michelle Trachtenberg. No, no, no. The other girl. You know, it was... Mi- <coughs> Here, it's sounding gross. Mara Wilson? M- no. No, it was Michelle Trachtenberg. It was... And then there were two other kids. It was a boy and a girl. Harriet the Spy. Fantastic movie. Inspired millions of children to become peeping toms. Yeah, hide in your sister's closet and scare her. Uh-huh. Anyways, that was a long, unnecessary the, chat. We'll cut a lot about. Yeah. Um, I still have questions. And the little princess. Yeah, yeah. we can. Anyway. We could also have like a sleepover. That's like that's. We should watch it in the back. Everybody, yeah, like everybody wears like cute little kid, not kid, but like kid like pajamas mm-hmm. and or like Victorian nightgowns is where I'm. Oh, more intrigued. I'm, I'm just in- gonna dress up as a big baby. <laughs> You're topless. <laughs> You have a hose. Yes. Yeah. That's you. the thing is, I will be a, a ch- the, as I was as a child, which is just naked, covered in mud in the yeah. back of the house. And be like, Haley's a baby cosplay yep. right now. Yep. Uh, she cool. won't talk to you in sentences. <laughs> nope. Eating cut up raw hot dogs. You have to guess what she wants. Mm-hmm. I will hit An you. Uncooked noodles. I will pull your hair. 
mayonnaise with cheese dipped in it. Delicious. Delicious. Um, well, who wants to go first? Does anybody have anything related to what we were talking about to get us started? No. To little princess. No. I mean, I'm in that era, I guess. I'll do it. I'll start. I usually don't start. How exciting. Okay, stop me if you've heard this one before. A young foreign-born woman comes to a new big city in America <laughs> and she has a strange speaking pattern mm-hmm. and pretends to be an heiress in order to insert herself into high society where the she then swindles people both banks and the wealthy out of millions of dollars <gasps> doesn't it sound like our girl Anna it does, does. Sound familiar what a setup but what I'm actually talking about is someone who did that much before in the late 1800s Yay. named uh, Cassie Chadwick. So Whoa. yeah, she does change her name. Is a she couple the times. original Cassie? <laughs> no, I think I feel Cass- like Cassie was a Isn't newer it, it's name. It's short for Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So good talk. She was born. Um, she was born at one point, which is good for her. <laughs> Not everyone gets there. Um, <laughs> small clap. So uh, she was born Elizabeth Bigley uh, in October of 1857. Uh, she was a Libra. Um, she was one of eight children and grew up on a small farm near Ontario, Canada. She was described as a peculiar, peculiar, I can't say that word, peculiar, peculiar, peculiar girl. She actually lost her hearing in one year when she was young because of a fever and developed a speech impediment. So she had a pretty bad lisp. With that, she spoke rarely and quietly and became very introverted. And in that silence, she would often seem to kind of like go into a trance. So like uh, kids didn't really want to play with her. And <laughs> in lieu of playing with other She's children, get weird again. Yeah, seriously. In lieu of playing with other children, she developed the hobby of practicing her family members' signatures, just scrawling them over and over and over again. I did that. I think just my mom. What a hobby! I think yeah, for a, a lot, lot of, of kids. Yeah, I remember one time, and I would get kind of bad grades in freshman and sophomore year, and you'd have to get your bad grades signed by your parents, mm-hmm. and I would tell mom. But I would always forget to get her to sign it. So I would just sign it. And then one time I remembered to get her to sign it. And I brought it in. And the teacher called her being like, the signature doesn't look like your signature. And it's because she'd only seen my interpolation of my mother's signature. I always did dad's because dad never signed anything. So from the beginning, I can still do dad's signature. I feel like if I tried mom's is just like. Line, 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 yeah, line, Yeah, it's very liney. Anyways, so at 16, Elizabeth or Betsy ran away from home. This is also when she devised her first scheme on record where she wrote a letter saying an uncle had died and left her a small sum of money. This forged notice of inheritance looked real enough to convince a local bank, and the bank issued her checks, allowing her to spend the money in advance. <laughs> she was caught by police. She managed to fleece a couple thousand dollars. She was eventually let go go back into the care of her father because they determined she was insane within a year that she got caught for trying to pawn a pocket watch in 1879 she presented herself as elizabeth Cunard, heir to a wealthy shipping family by using a forged letter of introduction and a bogus check she also <laughs> she did this for a while um she also carried around calling cards that said that just said miss bigley heiress to fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> 
That's what I do. It's just... It's important. It's important, and people f- fell for it, I guess. I mean, it's similar to Anna Delvey Foundation. Yeah. The, this is her wiring the money. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the presentation of wealth. So with that, she was able to acquire about $10,000 in goods on credit before oh the fr- fraud fell apart. This How is much eight, is that today? More than $100,000. Lots of money. Oh, my God. Fraud fell apart. <laughs> And she fled to Toronto. She did go to the trial for like a series of Ford's checks around that time. But her lawyers did a good job of arguing the insanity defense again. So she got off. Just look at her business card. Yeah. She, yeah. She just, just says, I, who have, does this? I will have 15 grand one day. You know what that also reminds me of? Has mom ever told you the story about how grandma bought the Lincoln? Mm-mm. So my grandma had this Lincoln town home car um, that I got after she died. It was my favorite thing in the entire world. Anyways, she paid for it with a check. Because she was a trust fund baby. And so when she went into the Lincoln dealership, she had to fill out like the forms that say you're good for it. And under income, she wrote adequate. (laughs) And the salesperson went to their boss and was like, what is this? But the guy knew Ozzy and was like, it's fine. And they let her write it. $30,000 $30,000 check adequate. for a Yeah, adequate. Comfortable. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> most badass. That right. rules. So cool. And they were like, yeah, she's good for it. Yeah, it's fine. That's the legitimate version of having a piece of paper that says I'm going to get $15,000 yep. yep. one day. Right. So she gets off from the fraud and her parents at this point were like sick of her shit because imagine she they're the ones who have to pay the legal fees and also pay back the victims mm-hmm. of her crimes so they shipped her off to live with her sister alice in beautiful cleveland ohio back then it was yeah exotic. I, you know it's america it's a big city like sure i don't know what cleveland was like in 18 whatever so booming, booming. it rocked yeah <laughs> that would there we go it's gonna we're gonna get to a drew carey reference at some point so it's early 1882 ish and elizabeth's in her early 20s living with her sister alice and alice's new husband everything's going okay and then the young couple need to go out of town they end up going back to ontario for a little bit and they leave elizabeth in charge of the house for a few days and while she's gone elizabeth goes through the house itemizes all the furniture brings the itemized list to a bank and uses as collateral for a bank loan Oh my God, that is some fast moving. She mm-hmm. mortgages her sister's furniture for a few thousand dollars. They come back, find out what happened, kick her ass out of the house. <laughs> Beat the shit. Yeah, out no yeah, shit. Like, God and they're still theoretically a- on the hook for this. Right yeah, that's alone. a front yard family brawl. Yes, is what exactly. That is. So she's now out on, on her own and Elizabeth reinvents herself. So she now presents herself as a widow named Madame Lydia Devia. What's on that business card? <laughs> she set up shop as a clairvoyant. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Using the funds that she got from mortgaging her sister's furniture. What a perfect journey for her. Yeah. You know, so she's in her early 20s and Elizabeth was described as like an unimposing, rather plain woman with a tight, unsmiling mouth and a nest of dull brown hair, <laughs> which is. Oh, that's a read. Yeah. Ugh. Um, that a nest of Daryl Brown hair. What can you undull your hair with at that point? Like you can't even be fun with it and dye it a weird color. Lemon. Uh-uh. Yeah. Lemon. But just be outside more. That's the only thing you can do for your so hair. So anyways, then. her like kind of boring looks combined with her lisp and her introverted nature didn't really put her on anybody's radar in right. any kind of real way. However, she was described to be a bit more mesmerizing when she chose to. One person who knew her during a brief incarceration for forging tech. Uh, checks described her as a brief incarceration just brief she got out in like four years of a 10-year sentence this person described her as the 
quote, most remarkable woman I ever met in my life and her escapades since she left the penitentiary do not surprise me in the least. We'll get to her escapades. And that was the matron of the Ohio penitentiary that she stayed at. She went on to say she was possessed of wonderful hypnotic powers, could foretell the future, and even as a convict would bring to her men who were the cream of society and by force of her power compel them to do her bidding. There is a story about, so she acted as a clairvoyant and a medium and all this kind of stuff. And again, like as we've learned, this is peak spiritualism Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. this point. She told one of the prison guards or wardens or somebody that he was going to lose a sum of money totaling about $5,000 and then die of cancer in the next year. And it happened. So everyone in the prison was terrified of her after the fact. I mean, those are, those are pretty sweeping yeah accusations that's a that's a big you know call your shot hell mary yeah. thing right she's, like, she's out it's now 1882 she meets a man named dr wallace s springsteen back in cleveland they get married and she's now mrs lydia springsteen she started going by lydia beforehand she changes her name a whole lot right now i still know her as elizabeth so the couple exchanged vows before a justice of the peace and moved into the doctor's house um, on three garden street, which is a nice house. He was a doctor, right? And a photograph and a story of the wedding appeared in the plain dealer, the plain dealer newspaper, which is a pretty wildly circulated newspaper in the, the Cleveland area. It sounded like you said wildly circulated. Widely. Like, Sorry. <laughs> I too have a speech impediment. Um, Just throw in papers yeah. Yeah. at people. Take it. Take it. The most aggressive newsies you've ever had. Okay. Nudies. Nudies. See, speech impediment. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> the honeymoon period did not last long since the wedding announcement had tipped off Elizabeth's debtors to her whereabouts. Within days, a number of furious merchants showed up at the couple's home demanding to be repaid. Good for them. So Dr. Springsteen had no idea that this was who his new wife was. And he hired a PI, checked their stories, and begrudgingly he paid off his wife's debts fearing that it would affect his own mm, credit because right. he would assume the credit of his wife right right um and then he kicked her out the marriage lasted 12 days <laughs> but she got her back she got yeah she got her debts paid off um, up to that point every time you said dr springsteen i just thought of bruce springsteen with like a stethoscope, stethoscope. yeah yeah that's but what still it was like a leather and, like american jacket. yeah jeans on yeah like a flag but he, i'm the doctor mm. yeah the, the boss, boss doctor. doctor yeah okay. so <laughs> after she gets kicked out and divorced the or whatever nurses and yeah oh, sorry that is dumb continue so she goes back to ontario for a couple years she maybe got married i don't know apparently she also reported herself dead to escape the rest of the creditors that didn't get paid off which mm-hmm. fair emt street yeah. band hey. there we that's good that is good so elizabeth comes back to ohio changes she decides on the new name of madame marie la rose she continues to work as a clairvoyant and doing other various crimes, mostly fraud. That's a good clairvoyant name. Yeah. She does Madame a lot. Mm-hmm. I think a lot. That, that's just very the, the regalness of it and also the mystery, mm-hmm. right? Ooh, Marie La Rose seems like. Well, yeah. yeah. I came from New Orleans. Yeah. The closer you get to yeah. Marie Laveau, Laveau. Right. it's going to sound witchy. In 1889, she's convicted and sentenced to nine and a half years in a pen- penitentiary in Toledo for forgery. This is when she serves that. that four-year time because she gets out in 1893 gets back to cleveland this is where she meets and marries c.l hoover who is a a wealthy businessman in cleveland and he presumably fathers a child with her named emil hoover 
Mr. Hoover then dies shortly after and leaves her about $50,000. Convenient. Which is, you know, good for her. So at this point, it's around 1887. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't even know what happened. What was capable of making that lot of a noise? My hands are clam jamming. My phone... (laughs) slid out of my hand and knocked over my can of empty Diet Coke. I'm so upset. A cacophony. I don't know what that's going to get picked up on that. Okay, Okay, so she has a kid with a guy named Hoover. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hoover dies. She gets $50,000. Because he sucked anyways. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So it's 1887, and she now meets and marries a man named Dr. Leroy S. Chadwick. She had been going by Cassie for a little bit at the time. So now she is Cassie Chadwick. And that's who she is for the rest of this story. He's a well-respected physician. So second doctor who would probably wouldn't have known anything about her previous crimes. Um, they apparently met at a bordello, which potentially was actually her like brothel, mm-hmm. which was like on the west side of the city. Still in Cleveland, right? Yes, yeah, still in Cleveland. And so she meets him and is talking with him and she basically says that this establishment is a men's boarding house where she also teaches etiquette to young ladies. And he's like, no, like everyone knows that this is a brothel. What are you talking about? And she responds by being in shock and fainting. I'm using air quotes, fainting at the idea that anybody would think that she was operating a brothel so she comes to being like i can't believe that that's what people think of me because it's not true it was definitely a brothel sure he she begs him to take her away from this place so no one would think she would be complicit in its affairs and that's how they get together okay. and get married hmm. save me from this awful yes Ill, exactly place. just being like oh no i just teach etiquette here and there's like mm-hmm. a one with her titty out like, yeah yeah i don't think so so they get married and he's wealthy and they she moves into his house on cleveland's euclid avenue which is known at the time as millionaire's row her neighbors along millionaire's row were affluent and she tried very hard to fit in the initial way she tried to do that was basically spending herself into society to being a societal woman but when you're around a bunch of other wealthy people like that doesn't really they all have money like you're just keeping up appearances at that point you're not impressing anybody so what cassie did not have was status all she was was a woman who married a rich rich man but she had a plan to change that perception she went on a visit to new york city and she asked one of her husband's friends this lawyer named dylan to like kind of like take her around in his carriage and while they're out, he she requests that he stop at Andrew Carnegie Carnegie's home. Andrew Carnegie, right. like industrialist, philanthropist, which is richest person in the world, right. um, even today's standards. Every home needs a home. He's like, okay, so they roll to the Carnegie Mansion, which is on Fifth Avenue. It is still there. Whoa! Yeah, hey. it is not it is okay. not one of the myriad of torn down mansions that we learned about from Lisa last time. So Cassie goes in, and in about a half hour, she comes back out, and in her hand which she accidentally drops that he happens to see is a promissory note directly from Andrew Carnegie worth millions of dollars. Dylan like inquires about it. And she says she confesses to Dylan that she is the illegitimate daughter of Andrew Carnegie, 
Carnegie was so supposedly felt so much guilt about fathering a child out of wedlock that she he showered her with money Mm -hmm. to keep her happy and to keep her kind of like quiet um and Chadwick also Cassie also claimed that there was seven million dollars in promissory notes tucked away in her Cleveland home and she was going to inherit about four hundred million dollars in Carnegie's death four hundred million dollars in 1890 money which is a trillion of dollars um in reality chadwick went into the carnegie mansion spoke to the housekeeper under the guise of getting a reference for a cleaner for her own house and somehow dragged that conversation out for a half hour she swore dylan to secrecy to save both herself and her father the embarrassment of course dylan also said you know it's not really safe that you just have those pieces of paper let's go get these into a safety deposit box and then i as a lawyer can basically write you a thing that says this stuff is legitimate Hmm. without checking the validity of Mm -hmm. any of the promissory notes she quote doesn't want the story to get out it immediately does that was Chadwick's intent from the beginning because now that word on the street is that there's this illegitimate child to the Carnegie fortune just her name is everywhere everywhere. and so banks are reaching out to her to help to to give their services to her and loan her money and the thing is it's all so like happening in the open but also happening privately so a bank would go to cassie and say hey we will loan you you know two hundred thousand dollars but the interest rate that they would charge is just usurious it would be like 25 percent or something Mm -hmm. like that she's like okay and they didn't care because they knew that she was good for it and she didn't care because she knew she was never going to pay it back right that's how she gets her wealth true true wealth and cassie becomes known as the queen of ohio which if you're if you got to be something in ohio Queen of Ohio sounds pretty good. Everyone knows her. At one point, she buys like nine grand pianos, furs, most audacious, ridiculous shit. She has like a coming out party kind of thing for somebody. And it's like $3 million, which Mm. again is an insane amount of money at that time. Oh my God. Yeah. So she, and she's doing this over and over again. She goes to a bank. She gets a loan. She gets a loan from the bank, you know? Oh, why are you the money? So she could, and you also have to think that other millionaires are also interesting her with the same kind of idea. Mm -hmm. So she's getting money from them. She's getting whatever she wants. That goes on for some time. In November of 1904, Cassie receives a $190,000 loan from a banker named Newton. His last name's Newton. From a Massachusetts bank. Fig Newton. Yep. So Newton kind of starts to kind of look around and is like, this chick has a lot of loans with a lot of people, but she hasn't really paid anybody back. She has paid interest on loans by using other loans. Mm -hmm. So it's, she has her own little kind of like Mm -hmm. pyramid happening right now. And so she's kind of like, ah, he's kind of like, I think this might be bullshit. So he calls back the loan. And this is when shit completely hits the fan. Nobody had called back the loan on her before. Newton calls in the loan and she can't pay it back. And all the other banks catch wind of it and try to call back their loans as well. And the the jig is up, basically. The Bank of Oberlin had loaned Cassie $800,000. And the news started getting out because it's a big deal. So all of their clients are like, we don't trust you as a bank anymore. They pull Mm -hmm. all their money out and the bank goes completely bankrupt there's nothing left for anybody <laughs> holy so shit. she yep. effectively in, as a singular person completely ruined an entire bank which is 
Wow. At this point, she's getting caught up on her shit. Someone finally. So here's the thing about the Andrew Carnegie thing. Nobody is going to go to Andrew Carnegie and be like, do you have an illegitimate daughter? Like that is not something you're going to fucking talk about. It's not the perfect crime, but it's like the perfect situation for her to get away with that for a really long time. After the banking stuff all started to fall through, somebody finally asked Andrew Carnegie if he knew her. And he's like, I don't know her. I've never si- I haven't signed a promissory note in 30 years. He double confirms the fact that like it's all bullshit. Yeah. And he's kind of like, huh, that's weird that it took this long, like right. years for any me even to like hear about this. Right. At this point, Chadwick, she fled to New York, but is really quickly arrested, taken back to Cleveland. And when she was arrested, she purportedly was wearing a money belt containing over a hundred thousand dollars on her yes, yeah. bitch. Yes. and then her husband so leroy you know leroy who's yeah. just suddenly there's like billions of dollars yeah. being brought into his house anyway so leroy and his adult daughter left for europe and never came back uh, oh yep that's a move yeah. and then he filed for divorce I, yeah. yeah i don't blame him yeah. i would do that so as you could probably expect, the trial was absolutely insane. It involved so many high society folks. Like, how could it not? And it, it wasn't just the banks that were duped. It was millionaires, too. So it was just, it was Anna Delvey times like a thousand at this time. So Carnegie himself attended the trial because he wanted to see. I'd want to see. Yeah. yeah. He wants to see, like, who's this chick who says he's my daughter? She's my daughter. Um, and he later had a chance to actually read the promissory notes. And he said, if anybody had seen this paper and then really believed that I had drawn it up and signed it, I could bear, I could hardly have been flattered. He said, pointing out errors in spelling and punctuation. Why I've not signed a note in about 30 years. So the whole scandal could have been avoided, he added, if anybody had bothered to ask him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In March of 1905, Cassie is found guilty of conspiracy to defraud a national bank and sentenced to 10 years in the penitentiary. When she went to prison, she brought with her trunks of finery, animal skin rugs, furs, clothes, gold, diamonds. That's how you get a beat down. Which the warden let her keep. Okay. Yep. I mean, but if this is like, it's 18, like Martha Stewart. It's Early 1900s. 1900s yeah. I bet there's not many women in the prison, no. and they probably aren't as outwardly aggressive. Like I bet it's. Pr- I think prison. There's what was prison culture for women? Well, that's then? what I don't know. It's like today there's like your club fed, where it's like, right. and then there's mm-hmm. where the rich the people pin. go. Yeah. yeah. So does that translate 1900? Right. Or is it all just bad? Probably because you can't pay your way out of it. You're kind of fucked, right? Anyway, so she brings. She can keep it in January 1906. She began her prison term only to die less than two years later on her birthday, October 10th, 1907, at the age of 50. She just croaked? She just croaked. And her son did survive. Like, her son survived her. And Oh, so he was real. He was real. He okay. was definitely real. It is unclear if he sent. she sent Emil back to Canada to be raised by her grandparents or left him with the women in the brothel to be raised or maybe a mm. combination of both. Can't really tell. But when she started feeling poorly and knew that the end was coming, she got a hold of him and was like, here's where a bunch of money is hidden. Go buy a family plot and get a headstone for cool. me. Yeah. Um, and he, unfortunately, when they found out that it was like the end, they called for him to come and he was like 50 minutes late after she died, which is kind of sad. But also, Aww. I don't know what kind of person he is. And she was obviously a piece of shit. Yeah, she so. probably wasn't a great yeah. mom. Yeah. So she was spent. This is what I think about when these kind of things go down. So she spent... 20 years a little bit more than 20 years just stealing wheel and dealing living a life a good chunk of that like a good five or six years she was one of the wealthiest people in her town getting everything she could ever want and then she embarrasses herself 
gets sentenced to 10 years, serves one of it and dies. Is that so bad? No. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's just how long you can get away with it right. for, right? Also, at that, you know, it's like you're doomed to be poor, right? Well, so why not? yeah go off you got one life you do as a woman especially well and the other thing is there so there's a couple other things that i left out of this but there were other like bankers and tellers that theoretically would be like co-conspiring with her because she has to be able to get this money in and out of the bank and they implied that she hypnotized them because Mm. she was this kind of like clairvoyant mesmerizing kind of woman and those people you have to have a man to be able to do any of these things you Mm -hmm. woman couldn't open a bank account on herself until by herself until like the late 70s all of this stuff had to be co-signed by either a man who knew it was going on or an idiot (laughs) yeah i don't know or a forgery it doesn't for Mm. what your life could be as a poor woman in the late 1800s and early 1900s, this seems like a pretty good option. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And she, good I mean, her. she hustled. She put work she into did. it. She had that. She had, she, when she printed out the little, I have 15th that Mrs. Bigley, she was like 14 that oh, she did that. That's crazy. Yeah. She went in, this is, I don't know where this is substantiated from. Cause I read a, a lot of different stuff about this, but when she was 13, she went into, <laughs> I don't know if this is true. She went into a barbershop and asked for a short haircut and a fake mustache. Fine. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Even so, if it's not true, it's going to be true to the story. Well, yeah, and it's I also like, like recognizing what power dynamic is going to get her farther in life. Mm-hmm, and it's being sure. a man. And I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> fun. Yeah. So that, that's Cassie Chadwick. Good for her. The queen of Ohio. That's yeah. how I feel about yeah. the you know, queen of Ohio. Good for her. Of course. I am truly upset that our... What? I made some TikToks last week. They're good. And they did okay for our weird brunch TikTok. However, I turned on our analytics for TikTok and 72% of the followers we have on tiktok now which is over 400 woo go us but join the weird army yeah oh is that what army. they're called they should just i don't want to be an weirdos. army weird heads weirdos. weirdos oh yeah but yeah weird eggs. the fact that they're it's 72 percent male it's a little disappointing upset. but then because i was curious and so i turned on analytics for my own personal to see what it was and it's like 75 percent women yeah for me but so it, but what you talked about on your own tiktok <coughs> was like 90s and 2000s nostalgia and sure fashion. that's true yeah mm-hmm. that's true anything history based i guess maybe skews male probably kind of because i had three on there one did pretty yeah, good you did and i do the memes because i i can't i'm better at that well and i, I need we want to just teach me yeah yeah I just like, I mean, you're I'm basically the, the way the I room. see it is you're already doing this stuff, right? Like we're already doing this research. Yeah. Might as well put it into a TikTok and toss it out there also. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do your whole thing, especially if there's something me, yeah, like For small. me, it's hard from, I feel like when it comes to content, especially like that, I, I get too into it. I spent probably six hours oh last God. Saturday making I made a four part story and two other little like one minute stories but it took me about six hours because I can't just casually do it and that's how it is on my own personal TikTok too like I get too into it mm-hmm. um, and that's yeah so I don't know 
maybe y'all y'all are you're better at doing the better. quickies than I am. I so go for it. <laughs> you're just better. That's your well, business. Well, what part. I'll do is when I'm on my Faintly own, Lamont, yeah. better, better, heiress to dozens of dollars. Yes. Okay, so mine. <laughs> kind of actually connects with Haley. Well, it's it's more swindly Yay. bad people, which I love a swindle. I fucking love it. That's like all I ever want to hear about and I feel like we've been I'm on, a on a swindle hot streak. Yeah. yeah, like it's a it's a national it's the new pandemic. Well, is it's tell me about swindlers. It's funny cuz like you think about how easy it used to be to murder someone and oh, get yeah. away with it yeah. and like I the do 70s. think about that Whitney all the yes. time. I, I mean I do. I I love thinking about how it easy like it was. The seven, was. The heyday. Well, but now it's a lot harder because yeah. of the internet. However, the internet I think has made swindling people a lot easier. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the fact that we're having like the rise of the swindler mm-hmm. is pleasant for me. Probably not for the people until you get involved. swindled. Until see, this one is something that could easily happen to anyone. So let's talk about it. The year twenty twenty. Uh, we were there. What were we doing then? Something happened. I don't remember. We were pandemic. Oh. Yeah, I don't oh. know if y'all remember. Yeah. I, I was thinking about getting thing... my nose pierced then and I didn't do it. That's what I was. That was oh, the biggest thing. See, I, I got my double holes. Oh, I'm. And went to a wedding. See, that I was my know. 2020. See? Yeah, my wedding. There it you was go. a wedding. Oh, yeah. We're starting. So this is from an article from the BBC. I didn't get to watch the investigative video they did about it because we're in America and you don't want to have a VPN. Mm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking my time to do that. Okay. God. All right. I'm not be so indignant about it. So there's this kid, right? Not really a kid. His name is Chris Ducey, (laughs) B-O-O-C-E-Y. He's 27 years old, sales manager. He was based in Manchester. Manchester. He got laid off during the pandemic, right? Right. He's searching for jobs. COVID has clearly upended his life. And he sees a job listing in October of 2020. An ad for a, quote, human-centered digital design agency born in London, running worldwide. He's like, that's all the buzzwords for me that I need. Sounds cool. And this place is called Madbird. And he interviews with the guy who started Madbird. His name is Ali Ayad, A L I A Y A D is his la- or Ayad is his last name, and he's really charismatic. He's like, I fucking think you're great. You have to come work for me. We're new, but we're growing really fast. This is gonna be great. We have this great website on LinkedIn. Ali has all these followers. He has ninety thousand Instagram followers. Like he's a big deal, and he convinces. Our boy Chris, like, yes, come over and work for me. He's like, hell yeah, let's do it. And he's like, well, the thing about it is, though, you have to do like a six-month trial period. And if you sell anything during those six months, whatever you sell, you get 10% of that commission after the six months, and your full salary will kick in after six months also. No. Right? Absolutely not. Six months. Absolutely not. It's a long time. I guess if you're desperate for a job, it's kind of like, But yeah. It's mid heavy, heavy, scary pandemic. October 2020 was like when, what, was Delta coming? Or was no. that not until 2021? That was 2021. <clears throat> we were thinking that we, that was a month before the election. We were thinking we were going to have a vaccine beginning of the year. Everyone was right. still 
pretty effectively in lockdown. Yes. So it's not a great time. No, it sucks. I don't want to <laughs> think about it. Right. And Mad Bird had also, they were hiring. They had hired almost 50 people. And he's like, okay. And everyone's doing their orientation stuff on Zoom. Ollie is there. The other founders are on this Zoom as well. And so they're talking to each other. New people come in on every day. And it feels feels good. Feels good, man. It does. Yeah. So people Love are getting onboarding. Hired. It feels something positive in a very dark world. Right. Yeah. They hire another kid. His name is Jordan Carter. He's from Suffolk. He's 26. He's also on the sales team. He pitches, he claims to have pitched more than 10,000 possible clients in a span of five months which that just sounds like a i don't know if that's possible physically but it, it's on an excel spreadsheet that he showed maybe. his boss <laughs> and copy paste you know yeah. by 2021 i guess in his fifth month maybe he had gotten the title of employee of the month people are hustling people are working it's 12 plus culture, hour days yeah. yeah startup culture for sure a dozen people from uganda india south africa the philippines they're hiring internationally and everyone's zooming in. Not only is this potential big payoff when these deals start going through six months in, there's that. For the people who weren't in the UK, they were telling them that they would sponsor their visas. And are they all contract workers? <clears throat> yes. Because you can't like so you have to like set up entities and if stuff. If they passed mm-hmm. their six month probation period and met their sales target, the contracts said that Madbird would sponsor them to move to the UK. Ollie Ayad knew what it was like to make a life, a new life in the UK. He didn't come from London, um, but his story was a little different every time he told it. So at first he had introduced himself to the staff as Mormon from Utah in the U.S., He told other people he was from Lebanon, where a difficult childhood had taught him how to become a hustler. He even changed his name in emails and stuff. He'd add an extra Y to Ayad, or he'd sign it off as Alex AYD. So he's kind of switching. You can just set your signature. Yeah. Like, you can just... Mm-hmm. Not have to worry cool about for that. spelling your fake name. But one main thing in all of his stories about his past was that he spent time as a creative designer for Nike. He told everyone that he had worked out of their Oregon headquarters in the U.S. And that's where he had met a guy named Dave Stanfield, who was now the co-founder with him of Madbird. Ollie's high, you know, his like career didn't seem far-fetched to people because he had those 90,000 Instagram followers. He was connected with all these people on LinkedIn. He was super intense and charismatic and caring to people he was hiring. He loved spouting all that. I'm the cool CEO type of shit. He sent playlists of dub music to listen to while you're working he constantly talked about how he would work 17 hour days because Elon Musk always claimed to work 16 hour days and he was like I'm doing 17 my dick is bigger by one hour yes so his optimism is contagious obviously a lot of people are like he's the new Steve Jobs he's he's the next Elon Musk so for months Madbird's business is humming along designers are 
trying to they're pushing out a lot of stuff what stuff yeah. I don't really know I'm not sure what I think they do. it's all pitch related stuff so the like sales people are like stuff? yeah mm-hmm. okay. sales people are like well we're a design firm so we're going out and pitching that we can redo your website. We can redo all this stuff. And so I think designers were just creating as much stuff as they Mm -hmm. could. The salespeople are trying to get in front of as many people as they can to sell Madbird as this design firm. They had all agreed to work on a commission only basis for the first six months. Mm. It was only after they passed their probation period that they would be put on a salary. Those salaries were about 35 grand a year, not including this commission. And they would get the commission after or not 35 months. grand, 35,000 pounds, like 47 50. grand mm-hmm. in the U.S. Until then, they would only earn a percentage of every deal they negotiated. So like for the designers, they're not really negotiating any no. deals. It's well, sales and they're not really. And that gets split sometimes yeah. too. Because of the pandemic, they're like, okay, this is my best bet for now, right? I'm going to work my ass off and it'll pay off. But by February 2021, so this started in October 2020. Four months. I think. Yeah. February 2021, not a single client contract had been signed. None of the Man Bird staff had been paid ever. Recruits end up starting to leave. It's unsustainable. No one's yeah. making any money. Yeah. Even if there's this promise, it's like, I still don't have any now. I can't I can't yeah. maintain. I can't live like But this. a lot of people who were close to that six-month mark had were like, if I leave now and they sign that big contract with like then you're that gamble. Yeah. yeah, then you're like, well, fuck. And I've already been I've already put in so much. So I'll just keep cost. living off my credit cards and borrowing oh, from whoever. So yeah, no one's getting paid. Madbird has no money actually coming in. It's all kind of this built up idea with nothing to back it up, right? Everybody just assumed that all of the sales managers were on the cusps of signing really big deals and that's what they were waiting on. But it all came crumbling down one specific fun afternoon. So there's a girl named Gemma Brett. Gemma Gemma Brett. I know, right? That is... Well, it's B-R-E-T-T, but Mm. yeah, Gemma Brett. So she's 27 years old. She's a designer from West London. She had been working at Madbird for a couple weeks, and she noticed something weird. So she did what I was very surprised nobody else had done, which was... She looked up where their office, because everyone's Zooming, right? Mm -hmm. She looked up where their offices were because she was curious what her commute would be when the pandemic goes away. Because that was also back when we thought Mm -hmm. it was going to go away. (laughs) She's like, that's weird. This building, like this address isn't, it's not an office building. Mm -hmm. It's residential, like Mm -hmm. high-end residential apartment building. Mm -hmm. She zooms up her friend and she's like, hey, this is kind of weird, right? So she calls the estate agent at that place and he's like, yes, this is a purely residential space. She's like, that's weird. Do you happen to know if anybody's working in the building by the name Ali Ayad? And they're like, no, never heard of it. Even though on the website for Madbird, this is their global headquarters is oh, this building. So they didn't even like fake another yeah. address. Wow. Gemma mm-hmm. tells other employees 
about it and a girl named Antonia Stewart who was leading the company company's expansion in Dubai as one of them. Oh my god. Using online reverse image searching, her and uh so Antonia and Gemma start to dig deeper. They find that almost all of the work Madbird had claimed as its own had been stolen from other agencies online. And some of the callings, colleagues that they had been messaging didn't actually exist. Holy shit. And they were like, this is too fucking weird. We're not getting paid. This was already a kind of questionable deal. And now we find this. What are we going to do? And they're like, we can leave quietly or we can let other people know because this is pretty fucked up. And ultimately, they're like, we need to let other people mm-hmm. know. And they send an all staff email from the alias Jane Smith. It was sent on a busy workday afternoon. It said, we have strong reasons to suspect that the founders of Madbird have conducted business in an unethical and immoral manner and have knowingly participated in the following activities. Number one, stealing the work of others and presenting work as their own to the Madbird staff and potential clients. The list goes on about fabricating team members, Mm -hmm. client work portfolios, past work, their office location. They blow the whistle. Everybody on the Madbird team is pretty devastated and are, I guess, open to the idea that this whole entire company was built on a throne of lies. I'm open to that. They're all also extremely bummed because this means they're probably never, ever going to get paid. Mm -hmm. The company had not been quote shipping products and experiences locally for 10 and globally for 10 years as it had claimed in fact Ali Ayad only registered Madbird with a company's house on the same day he interviewed that first guy Chris Ducey in 2020 six of the most senior employees profiled by Madbird were fake the (laughs) identities stitched together using poor Photos from random corners of the internet and made up names. The people included in this fake stuff were Madbird's co-founder, Dave Stanfield. Despite him having a LinkedIn profile and Ollie referring to him constantly as his co-founder, they so they do this reverse image search again. By this point, the BBC has heard about it and they've jumped in and are starting to do their Mm -hmm. own research as well. And so they use facial recognition technology and reverse imaging and link Dave Stanfield's headshot to its actual owner, who was a guy from Prague who made beehives. And um, they they call him up and they're like, hey, man, you have any idea who Ali Ayad or Madbird is? And Dave's like, or this guy is like, uh, no um you want to buy some bees yeah me and my like he makes it sounds like it's like a family business like they make beehives and i was like Mm -hmm. i want to that's what i want to do whatever that's free honey in the break room oh my god oh raw honey dude so you don't have white noise machines you just have Mm. a jar of bees Bees. you shake yes (laughs) shake to calm yes (laughs) delightful Nigel White was another prominent graphic designer at the firm, but he was, again, a fake person. (laughs) If you Google, they reversed image stars and did all this stuff, and they figured out that if you searched Ginger Man in Getty Images, his face is one of the main (laughs) stock images of 
ginger man. Men. Mm. Ginger man. <laughs> He's the most generic looking he ginger is. man. Like, I mean, you can. Oh. Wow. It's like, here he is. Yeah. Wow. He didn't even pay to get the watermark no. off. He just cropped. He just cropped <laughs> it <Shit>. out. <laughs> the marketing managers turned out to be pictures of a Lebanese doctor, a Spanish actor, and an Italian fashion influencer. All of them stolen. BBC reaches out to the 42 brands that Madbird had claimed as former clients. And of the people who did respond, all of them were like, no, we have no fucking idea. That was Nike, Tony and Guy, some other one called Tate. I'm unfamiliar with that. But everyone's like, no, we have no idea who Madbird is or this dude. So he just ripped it from everywhere. One pitch document distributed to Madbird's potential clients had been copied from another London-based design firm called Hatched. It lifted shit word for word. Even the descriptions of their personal bios and stuff were ripped oh from my this God. place. I mean, you can only be creative on your own for so long mm-hmm. that you gotta, yeah. you gotta copy paste a little bit. I'm uh, just like, how did he pick all those companies? Google. Yeah. He just like was like Nike. I know that. He probably right. searched like well, a so good mix of mid range. Nike and, yeah. is like he's never worked for us in a creative lead at all. Nike confirmed to the BBC that it had never employed anyone with his name or any of the aliases that he used. He also claimed to have gone to USC and Concordia. He didn't go to either one of those. His Instagram account, account where he posted updates about his career as a model and an influencer mm-hmm. and now, you know, his own mm-hmm. business owner with more than 90,000 followers. Part of the reason why people trusted him because he had all of these. But it was all only quote distantly related to the life he actually lived one of the best ones is he posted a picture of a magazine where he is on a page in a feature for Massimo Dutti some brand Mm -hmm. it was like a watch brand and it's him and the caption is hustle in silence let your success make the noise Okay, that's um, but he's in this ad for GQ, wanna... right? And he's yeah. posting this shit on his Instagram account. It gets over four thousand likes. Turns out he just photoshopped the entire page. They go and get a copy of that actual issue of GQ, and it's just a straight. It's a pretty up. good Photoshop. Well, I mean, it's because he did the whole picture. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, so doing angles is hard. It's true. Like it's it's <laughs> he not... has a skill. Okay, yeah, he it's does. angles. He did that. So the GQ spread is obviously fake. So the morning after the Jane Smith email goes out, Ollie sends his own email to the Madbird team and says, quote, if any of this information came to be true, it is as shocking to me as it is shocking to you. He says he claims complete ignorance. And as the company's director, he wants to take full responsibility He promised to remove Madbird's website and pause all ongoing work, quote, until we fix this. Before he signs off for the final time, a flash of remorse, quote, I have put 16 hours every single day for months and done the best that I could to make this work. I should have known better. And for that, I'm truly sorry. Oh, fuck. Get fucked, dude. I hate this guy. Um, I mean, the right thing to do would just be reply on that email and be like, whoa, that's crazy. And then yikes. Jet. Yeah. <laughs> You're gone. Mm-hmm. Don't pretend like it's a shock to you. I just too. don't. That's I, the most annoying. I always want to know at what point do you know the jig is <clears> up, you know, and you 
plan how long do you try to push right. through it right well, that's the only thing the only form of i guess apology that the mad bird staff gets ollie goes completely silent stops answering com- calls and emails Madbird's site goes offline and Ollie's LinkedIn profile vanishes. He re- withdraws from everywhere in the digital world. All the Madbird workers are like fucking devastated. It was almost exactly six months and then it's fully mm-hmm. pulled out from under him. Chris Ducey, our guy who we started with, was in over 10,000 pounds in debt because he had just taken out loans with Mm-hmm. whoever trying to pay for his own stuff lots of people are like yeah we got played my dreams are shattered a guy from india named elvis john um had been expecting you know this visa to the uk mm-hmm. and he was so close to finishing his six-month probation period and then when he found this out, he was like, I could have been put in prison because I applied for this visa, but the job wasn't real. It was fate. If if I had done this in Dubai, I would be imprisoned and then deported. Mm-hmm. Damn. Um, so it really fucked him over. People are also like embarrassed to say that yeah. they did it because they did all this work. And then it's like, how could you work for free for so long mm, and not think something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not think something was up. And people are like, also, now I have this big six month gap in my he was working know, job. Though. I mean, yeah, I yeah. consider it a gap. But if, if anything, you can't that's find a the opener. website, yeah. I mean, now that it, the story, you know, yeah. it, it, it's probably actually like, Mad wow, bird. this guy would work for free for six months. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. Yeah. Let's hire him. Let's get him that's in. That's unfair to call him an idiot. Chris and a couple other take people put together a little tribunal to take Ollie to court to at least try and get minimum wage for the hours that they worked. And the court is like, yeah. They award 19,000 pounds in wages in total, which isn't very much. But Ollie doesn't pay it either way because he doesn't have the it. company never made any money and he doesn't have it. He tried to fight it also and they were like, no, we're upholding this. After the BBC does all this digging and exposes even more of it, they go and Ollie had agreed to sit down with him, them and talk about it. And of course, the fucking day before he pulls out. Like a little bitch that he is. Shut your mouth. Here's the thing. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Don't talk to the press. Don't do anything because mm-hmm. you could get a you could functionally yeah. get away with it. Yeah. And nobody knows what your face looks like. So but he wants people to know. This it's way. true. It's that vanity influencer yeah. big head deal. So they track him down and confront him in the street in BBC October. Is different. Yeah. Mm. And they're like. Why did you do this? And he says, all I know is that we created opportunities for people in the midst of COVID. When they accused him of creating fake identities and stealing other people's work, he got angry. Quote, I did. How do you know I did? There was (laughs) trustworthy. (laughs) Prove it. When they challenged him about Madbird not having an actual physical office, he said, you don't really have to have computers and stuff, right? It's a digital company. Have computers and stuff? Meaning like, well, it was a digital office. 
you can also have a legal address that's not actually a lot of companies do that right it's like a p.o box yeah but also after this everyone's con- working on their own laptops because they wouldn't have a way to get right. them anything they wouldn't be getting reimbursed for it's like it's not just like they weren't getting paid it's like it's basically stealing from yeah people yeah it straight up is it's theft of service but also like keeping the lights on your yeah. rent like all that yeah. shit after this confrontation he was pissed i watched that they you can see that clip online he kind of looks like porn stash from okay. um, uh yeah so he's hot mm-hmm. he's kind of hot Fuck. yeah he's mm-hmm. a little hot it's um, that trashy hot mm-hmm. like i go for it every yeah. time they the bbc writes him a letter being like respond to the accusations like we didn't want to have to confront you you kind of forced us to do this but we're still willing to sit down and hear Mm -hmm. your side of the story and he replied conceding that quote a couple of points he was being accused of were true he wouldn't say which ones he also said that the majority of the 24 separate points that they sent to him were absurd and incorrect he said he would respond again fully but he never Never did did. Mm. it's like why did he do this Mm-hmm. Their theories are that it was an attempt to start an actual business. It may have started out as a lie, but maybe he thought that Mad Bird would eventually start closing closing deals and crushing money, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't have any built it up on, you know, no foundation. So it never happened. The other explanation is that it was more about money. Maybe Ollie got a kick out of pretending to be a boss. He appeared to genuinely enjoy running Mad Bird and being that guy. It's like a Michael Scott cosplay. A little bit. Apparently job interviews with him would last more than an hour because he loved to like give advice and you know be that fucking guy he was a cool boss there's a lot of ceos that are kind of like that yeah Yeah. it's i can't that would be such a red flag for me yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah and that's where it is he's still out there this is real recent yeah so so they have any pending charges against him right now no i mean other than him not paying because that little tribunal of workers took him to court but other than that no he's just out doing whatever and this story dropped in february of 2022 so there'll be on hulu and or netflix yeah very who's gonna play him hold on we gotta look i was looking at a picture of him I think Jared Leto could just he doesn't, keep going. He doesn't look like Pornstash in that picture, but when they this is for a still from the con- confrontation, and he like he looks like, like a taller him. Charlie Day from mm-hmm. that angle, a little bit. Yeah. So that's another another swindler guy. I don't like him. Mm-mm. I like no. it when women do it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's good when women do it. But when <laughs> men do it, it's it's fucked up. Well, it, it's I like it when there it's a victimless crime, yeah, right? Like go after banks and money, yeah. yeah. Not people Not, who just desperately yeah, want a job. Yeah. Creatives, Ugh. kids who just graduated from college yeah. that don't have experience and it's, stuff. It's just such a it's the hustle culture idea of fake it till you make it to the extreme. Yes, yes. right. Yep. He could he could have landed a Google deal and it mm-hmm. would have washed all of his problems away, yeah. right? And it wouldn't have mattered. And then it would just been a funny footnote ten years from now, like, oh well, when we started I actually kinda lied about well, the, the, and that's you know and that that's just creative ongoing thinking. Ongoing theme with all of these future Steve jobs. Yeah. Anna and 
the dropout mm-hmm. or, and Elizabeth Holmes and him yeah. and WeWork guy. It was all built. He's like on a combo nothing. loco though. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. And like you were saying, like, when do you know when to stop? Like, when do yeah. you know that it, it, the jig is up? Because like, it is like, well, yeah, but just give me this one more chance. Just mm-hmm. give me it's that. I don't know addictive mentality because it, it's a thrilling through all of it. So when mm-hmm. you're setting up a fake website, when do you go? Well, I can't do fake employees. No, you don't stop there. You do fake employees. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not going to do like a profile and like steal people's. No, nope, I'm going to do that. I'm it's not going to go on a Zoom and do the voice of so, him. Yeah, like, have a have photo like four up. laptops up where you have to like yeah. talk as one person. All of with them have accent. to be muted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Well, I have something completely unrelated. All right. I really just wanted to bring this in here so that I can stop being bullied on the podcast. Um, oh. oh. She but. exposes me and you. No, she reads that book that <laughs> they wrote a, that are <laughs> right? Yeah. So I just want to say bad vibes are science now. I believe it. <laughs> I, yep. So when you're like going into a haunted house mm-hmm. or like a graveyard or wherever and you're like oh there's something about this mm-hmm. that's just i don't like mm-hmm. it scientists are looking into that right now because they're like is it uh, an energy Absolutely. in that location yeah. this is just to set up the example that's kind of throughout this it's a, in my opinion a little like on the nose the most universal example of this is Auschwitz right because yeah. everybody who goes is like I you know tightness in the chest they couldn't stop like moving their hands or just leave very sad for weeks afterwards mm-hmm. it's the scientists that are looking into this they believe that it could be because this is a site that contains what they're calling negative energy mm-hmm. So it's not just the woo-woo people mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't... Here, here, here. I'm a woo-woo person. Yeah. Thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> However, I, I don't believe that there was like a giant in the desert. <laughs> I don't want you to feel like you're bullied in that kind of way. That was the last story that I could think of that was... Um, woo-woo. Well, weird, I guess, right? Which is the whole point of the podcast, I guess, is to tell a weird story. Mm. I'm saying I totally believe this. I don't want you to feel bullied to think that we don't believe that, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But you don't believe the giant in the desert? No, something about that. Unless a witch created it. It's just weird because if the government told me that they saw something, (laughs) I I would believe it. Maybe the the line is the government. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, that feeling that you get, it's also, you know, where in places that something shitty happened, right? So there's three predominant theories. One of them is the presence of emotional residue. I don't... this like what that's called (laughs) well i I, get it it's very descriptive i'm just here to i don't make these theories up Mm. who does someone's got a scientist they're based that all theories are based on hard facts and then the second one is geopathic stress emanating from the earth and then also the power of our minds expectations so these can also all three play into each other i personally think the geopathic stress uh one is maybe the least likely but again we'll get to that one in a minute so the emotional residue theory it's been proven to an extent that emotions can infect or brighten their physical surroundings. So if you're like in a in a really dark place, it might, you know, the room might take that on and it might get darker, even whether it's your perception or somebody else's. Like I know 
if somebody I know very well is having a rough day, I can clock it very quickly. Quite literally a vibe. Yes. Yeah. Oh, even after the source has been physically removed or moved to a new location. That's the theory. How hmm. do they like quantify that? That's my only question of if you say like, I know exactly what you mean. Like you walk into a room and you can tell that a fight just happened. Mm-hmm. Like that kind mm-hmm. of feeling. Mm-hmm. Is it feelings based or is it measuring light minutes or ozone or ionization or i have a study for it so the theory likely stems from magic is contagious right like so it stems from like pagan and and beliefs that energies and emotions move through uh nature as a whole this has not really been the focal point the origin of it has not been the focal point so the human nervous system is able to pick up on chemical signals the body gives off through um sweat and tears like a pheromone mm-hmm. kind of thing yes mm. and so they're called chemo signals chemo signals chemo signal sounds weird but it's i feel like that's probably how yeah. it's said but like an example is men's libido declines if women's tears are present not all of them I'm, as soon as i read it i yeah. was like i'm gonna get it not all <laughs> from Haley. i'm glad predictable <laughs> Well, because I was like, in my head, I was like, well, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe the majority, but right. not all. Is it also like similar stories of like men being more attracted to pictures of women when they're ovulating? Something in them knowing that that is happening? I think, I think I've seen studies on that like, too. Yeah. Your pupils being more dilated. Yeah, your face looks more symmetrical. Yeah. Your skin mm-hmm. looks clearer. But yeah. if you're on your period, you're just like this, this troll woman that they don't want I mean, anything to do true. with. It's... It is true. Yeah. I'm I'm a real troll right now. Um, but yeah, I think it's similar to that, but it is a little bit different because it's not really that based on appearances. Like appearances are the reaction mm. to these chemo uh, signals, chemo signals. So in 2012, there was a Dutch study where women ended up having an interesting reaction when exposed to chemo signals previously produced by men who felt fear or disgust. They were in a fear-inducing or disgust-inducing movie, and they were collecting the sweat from these guys as they were eliciting these emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So then, let's see, the fear-sweat exposure, when the women were around it and smelling it, they had a fearful facial expression, The way they identified that was there was a greater activity in the medial frontalis muscle, which elevates your eyebrows. So your third eye? Sure. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's I think this one right here where it's like, I'm scared. Yeah. And then the disgust sweat exposure uh, was a disgusted facial expression. So Hmm. that's interesting. And then in 2015, that same group, they were looking into beyond, like, you know, actual tears, body odor. Mm. And so body odor from a hap- a person experiencing happiness led to a happy reaction where uh, a lot of the women were smiling. So the conclusion there is that behavioral synchronization is existent. Mm-hmm. And so if and it can be from the sweat to the smellers so if you walk into a room where people have been fighting you can that smell of the anger yeah. is there yeah which is a weird thing to say i mean it but is. when you say it, you're kind of like yeah 
Like, yeah. I've definitely walked into situations, I think we all have, where you're right. like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like your body is responding to something that you it's are. Da- it's, yeah, danger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also something in the animal kingdom where they use, you know, they use that scent and that uh, even creating the scent that will allow for other animals to like mm-hmm. vibe off of that. So, you know, there's been multiple studies on non-human animals' emotional response to environmental cues. So, like, raising the level of their stress hormone, cortisol, probably, before a storm. And then, based on these studies, environmental sciences uh, and public policy professor Brian Helmuth believes there's a lot to learn about how humans are doing this because it's all like subconscious we don't really know that we're doing it right and because you you don't just smell uh, it's weird to think about because it's like it's not the bo smell like odds are the bo smell is covered up but there's some thing in it that Mm -hmm. you're still picking up on that you don't know you don't smell it yeah with your scent smell it with your your brain yeah oh and they, yeah, he's saying there's especially a lot there for the emotional, physical, and psychological impacts of environmental damages. So next up, we have the geopathic stress theory. In 1929, German baron and medical researcher Gustav Freyer von Pohl uh, does a study in a small town in Vilseburg, um, and some of the geographical faults of earth radiated energy were linked with cancer uh, in that location so all of the people who had died of cancer in Vilsberg Vilsberg, um, had slept in beds along these quote geopathic stress lines okay so it's you can kind of think uh, well okay Texas State University I think UT too are built on fault lines Mm mm-hmm and so there's that thing of like, oh, if there's gas emanating, if there's, you know, different is or, you know, spirits coming out of the how does the right. earth work? Geopathy, pathy uh, advocates. So they emit energies that can cause uh, ill health in humans. That's what they're saying that, you know, these fault lines, tunnels, sewers, geological faults, uh, pipes, mineral deposits, utility lines, and underground water are all places that these people are, you know, people that are advocates for this. It's where, quote, a certain energy is a vibration from the earth gets distorted. I'm dubious of that. There, that's that's everywhere, though. Mm-hmm. That's like ley lines also, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But those aren't physical fault lines, yeah. which are real. But if you follow a fault, say it's a fault line, say that's the theory. If you follow that fault line all the way up, is every point in that fault line weird? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or are you just, it's where the concentration of people are, and then this kind of circulation of stories and it you know it's, it becomes mm-hmm. part of it's a ghost story yeah right yeah but then i also think of like skinwalker ranch the series or whatever they talk a lot about like there's a gas maybe coming out of yeah. here or like whatever mm-hmm. and maybe that's what's killing the cows yeah. and so it is like there can't yeah maybe i, I think as an overarching theory on why like bad vibes exist i think that's the harder sell I think so yeah. too. Yeah. But it is, it kind of leads up to like, why are 
why are scientists spending this much time and effort into it? Mm-hmm. And like, this is something to consider, I guess. The people that are really, you know, focused on this, they do say to avoid staying around in or on these stress points for any amount, like a long amount of time. Because you're, if you stay there too long, you could experience extreme fatigue, headache, insomnia, and overall just like heavy, dark feelings. But also if you tell people that, then then you're they going. would yeah so it's the, the, the double blinding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so with the pheromone the what did we call it chemo chemo signals chemo yeah. signals is that double blinded or did people go in knowing that their emotions could be see that's what i'm wondering thinking about smelling stuff yeah. and like that like there are people who aren't able to detect scents yeah. so if you took those people and had them smell the bo mm. would the signal still be there in is their it the brain? same part of the brain that's processing though because it's theoretically subconscious like it's right like it should work yeah still yeah even mm-hmm. if you can't smell the actual odor also because it's also your nervous <coughs> system yeah right? it's also right. your own memory of it too so it's true it's I mean, some people, you react to different things because you're just different people Mm -hmm. subconsciously. Is that the same? We obviously have underlying things as humans Mm -hmm. that we, you know, we laugh as a form of dispelling fear, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of universal, but our hormones and smells essentially smells universal experiences as well. Right. Yeah. Well, and like that study Mm -hmm. was like, okay, if these are all, all of the women that are, I think it was blind mm. i don't know that it, it didn't really go into that but it, it does mm. have a link out to the hmm. nerd report well as long as it's not it. like you bring them into the rooms like we're gonna make you smell things because this is what you're we're looking for it's yeah like, that's what you don't want like that's the worst kind of test you well they did do. it all based on facial like movements mm-hmm. not necessarily anything that people were saying it was like what's that initial so to me i'm like that sounds more legit mm-hmm. than right we gave these people fear or yeah. happiness or this. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they didn't then collect the sweat from those people to see if it was replicated. Like, why did they rely on facial expression? Because I guess because cause it's a reaction to so it's diluted, the initial kind of. individual's feeling. Yeah. And then you're reacting to that. So I don't know that you would then specifically feel that. I think you would recognize it and maybe... Especially because you're not the one who's experiencing right. the thing that caused the it's fear. Like it's like a tincture of yeah. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is just kind of bringing up like there are many environmental factors. Uh, it's impossible to like isolate any one thing for this uh, geopathic stress idea. Um, but if the Earth's radiation and vibrations do affect our health, uh, it's that's not always a bad thing. Because the Earth, there's a theory that people are looking into right now that the earth could be nurturing us with low doses of gamma rays that might be actually helping us uh, live longer there's places that have their own powers this greek island Ikaria, people there have an elevated lifespan and it's isolated to that like that's the it's in mm-hmm. the region specifically and so that's one of the things it's like well is there a fault line is there this like is there right so that's geopathy and then the third one is the power of expectation which um talks to a lot of what Haley was just saying the idea of like if that wasn't a double blind then it wouldn't it wouldn't work or like if you have like everybody has their own bias in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons 
and so if we expect so this is the power of expectation if we expect to feel a certain way it has a strong influence on our perceptions so associations with certain landscape features even positive or negative can impact how you feel about something in a function that's beneath our ability to understand studies in which participants predicted the mood of a character based on the emotions of a person who previously lived in their apartment or chose a room based on a sign on a door reinforce old point uh, in psychology an old point in psychology which is that we quickly and automatically form associations and those can influence attitudes and behavior and this is john Colley. Coley, who's a psychology professor at Northeastern University, he said, research from my lab shows that people who grew up in urban environments tend to associate themselves with features of the built environment, whereas those who grew up in rural environments tend to associate themselves with features of the natural environment. Interesting. Mm. Very interesting to me. Moving from the city to the countryside or vice versa can cause a lot of stress for people because they don't have those... Points. Landmarks, yeah, quite literally, yeah. Uh, he says, if I grow up in the country and then move to New York, outwardly I might love the hustle and bustle and the constant buzz of energy, but deep down, the sense that this isn't me, even the, if I'm not aware of it, might take a toll. So the abandoned house across the street may not actually be haunted, even if it makes your chest tight when you're near it. Perhaps you simply are from a neighborhood where there are few, like neglected properties yeah. so you're making so it's unsettling it's yeah. Right. out yeah so then putting it all together so uh over 60 million people have visited auschwitz by now part of what is uh, a really big trend right now which is dark tourism yeah so visiting places that are historically connected to death or tragedy there's also and i watched this show but uh dark tourist one of the episodes they go to fukushima uh nuclear where the um, incident happened. When was that? I don't know. But they, it's all like they have radiation trackers and they're all going off and it's people that are like, whoa, I'm in the spooky. Yeah, it's like a haunted house for... Right. For radiation poisoning. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, very conflicting feelings on it. And then they all, like, Kazakhstan Lake that's formed by a nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where a thing happened that was very heavy. Did and you so see a bunch of Russian soldiers got radiation poisoning from Chernobyl? I know that they were trying, they were at Chernobyl, I know that. Yeah. I Anyways. briefly saw that. And so the idea is, I did, I did want to say this quote because they said, w- when you're visiting a place, and this is the two examples they provided, the 9-11 memorial or Auschwitz, those are the two. Okay, comparable, not at all. Easily recallable. Yes, yeah, yeah. as yes. a great tragic event that we yes. all have reference to. Yes, that's true. Immersing yourself in tragedy can lead to significant reflection on the past, um, history, and then also humanity as a whole. Yeah, at least a possibility that when you're feeling like, oh man, there's something in here, like right. I don't like it that. That is emotional vibes. The place is yeah. charged with emotional vibes, and science is behind it. I get it. I didn't go to Alcatraz because of that, because of that kind of exactly mm-hmm. like tourism kind of thing. It's like this is literally the prison system. <laughs> like I'm touring the prison system. <laughs> like I'm not interested. Yeah, I also feel like it can. Y- 
as much baggage as we all take around with us for our whole lives, like I feel like it's easy to pick up on oh, some of that. One hundred percent. Yeah. I I like I know I've taken stuff with me that's like, oof, like I don't know. It's, yeah. You can also build like when you when people say houses are haunted and there's not like a history of murders around it, that kind of thing, where it's just like bad vibe house, mm-hmm. uh, and it is the energy of the people living there. You're basically creating a tulpa of bad energy that kind of hangs around Mm -hmm. that you've kind of done to yourself that you have to get rid of and if it's there when you leave it's there when you you smudge the house but is there don't call it smudging is a closed practice you you smoke cleanse a house i have no idea i didn't know that a native person yeah oh i didn't know that well i apologize that's fine um why would you know that i mean (laughs) i've just always heard it called that um Wait, what is it? So smudging with is sage. a with with sage. So white sage is uh, endangered and is used almost exclusively for spiritual practices for Native Native Americans for Indigenous people. And because of the rise in fun white people esotericism, TikTok, TikTok mm-hmm. white sage is now endangered. Um, you can grow your own. That's fine. But overall, you don't want to do it, and you don't want to call it smudging because smudging is a specific spiritual practice and hmm. like ritual that is done lots of cultures do smoke cleanse though like any any kind of witchcraft that you come upon is going to do some type of right. smoke cleansing like but if you want to do it do it with rosemary hmm. or cedar i used to do palo santo but then also i heard that that was santeria and that is also a closed practice so huh. yeah interesting mm-hmm. i had no idea mm-hmm. i wonder if there's any science behind that yet probably like, i mean a lot of when you so there's science-based quote like science-based witchcraft where you use these exact ideas to kind of um make sure that you stay in the the realm of realism Mm -hmm. um and the idea that thoughts create things like manifesting manifesting is a big thing right Mm -hmm. now there is like obviously this exact thing that there is truth behind it for sure so it's a matter if you believe it that means it's real it doesn't matter if it's not if you convince yourself that a young victorian child died in your house and is now haunting you it doesn't matter if that doesn't happen if you create enough enough of that thought form to manifest a haunting that doesn't make the haunting not real it just makes it not historically accurate mm-hmm. and then you can get into the idea of like overlapping dimensions where maybe right. like in a that right you can get real deep into it so um yeah that's interesting i mean i believe all that kind of shit for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. i want them to keep i don't know who's funding that but we i can hope they continue to fund it because they have a go, very go interested me. in that yeah i, I mean i will I look patron. into this dutch group yeah, yeah i would go fund them yeah please please tell me but yeah I don't believe uh, the fault line ones is kind of that makes it. I don't know. I don't know something about that makes it just seem. I, but what you're saying about like Skinwalker Ranch, where it's like, yeah, there could be a gas leak. Yeah, true. A lot of hauntings are because of carbon monoxide poisoning right. in, in houses. So right. yeah, it's just the earth carbon monoxiding us. Yeah, yeah. It was just like that guy in uh, 1929. He was like, well, if you slept in one of those beds, you you have cancer. Instead of saying like it's a possibility Mm -hmm. he was like really i think he was really hard and fast on it and so it was that's not correct yeah and so it was founded on this thing that was like a sensationalist Mm -hmm. and then so now it's like there's a there's something to look into there and i do think the 
the planet we're on, like aside from gravity, there's other reasons why, you know, the ozone layer, whatever, whatever. And so it's like, well, are there reasons that we don't know of? Because we haven't gone that far. I mean, Brendan Fraser has, but that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and King Kong. Um, well, but yeah, it's within our own realm of understanding and existence. It's, you know, we can only see in the, like, again, it goes back to like dimension shit. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we have a concept of what this is. And if there's any existence or energy or power that is outside of that, ex- what we have access to with our little, you mm-hmm. know, monkey brains, we don't know. Like, yeah. We, we won't know until we break through that. And we probably never will. Well, I think that's what death is. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Who's excited? I don't know. I'm putting money <laughs> on it. Okay, so well. <laughs> well, I'll go die now. Yep. Um, great. For Thanks. science. For, for science. science. It is. Dying for science. That's how dedicated you are. Yep. Can't um, wait. Thanks for listening. Rate us. Watch us. Love Follow us. us on TikTok so we're not so many. Only if you're a, a woman, please. Yeah, if you're a man, please um, un- unfollow no boys allowed <laughs> no boys allowed. but uh yeah that's it thanks thank you guys um, goodbye Bye. Bye. stay off fault lines <laughs>